how do you see no i'm (laughs) (laughs) every time it's just gonna be the meme that'll be our first ever when we become when we obviously get merch that'll be uh the first merch we get it'll it'll i can't it'll say on the front howdy ceos and then the back say oh we weren't recording (laughs) i i can't tell you how many times like i open prune and in my head just goes howdy ceos (laughs) (laughs) i uh you you were not here, Dejas, for the, the incident where we actually did not record. <laughs> we're like ten minutes in, and he's like, "I have not recorded any of the last ten minutes." Oh no! Start all over. It was, it was fun. Yeah. That was a that, that was a fun experience. It, it worked out well. Uh, something along the corporate comms, and it's funny, Coley. I actually thought we should chat about it a little bit because if you could reiterate what you were kind of just saying earlier about the fact, because. It, it, it and I laughed. I laughed pretty hard because I get it literally, probably weekly. Probably weekly, I get this question: What should I do? Like I'm new. What should I do? Right? And what can you just reiterate what you just told me earlier about the fact you said that like one of your concerns is that Kirk me if wrong was sort of along the lines of that you were concerned that players wouldn't enjoy the thing that you told them to do. Is that kind of right? Right. Yeah, no, that's that that's the big thing, because even I mean, everyone, I'm sure everyone has seen it. It's in some level. Everyone's seen interactions, whether it's in been in their corp, been in other people's corp, just or even just even on the on on the Apex chat, which I don't I don't know how anyone sees anything on that. But anyway, um, the. One of the things you'll always see is that you'll sometimes you'll see somebody come on and say, hey, I'm new and I don't know what to do. What should I do? And it's a loaded question. Somebody comes and says, what should I do? Well, what should you do? We've we've always we always have something that needs to get done. We always have bots where we need more of this, more of that, so on and so forth. The one thing I always want to tell them is, is, look, you're coming on here to play a game. To it's it's a game. You're coming on here to enjoy yourself and have fun. It, it's supposed to be a positive experience. It's not supposed to be a second job. If if you come on and we say, hey, we need this. We need more aluminum. We need more of this. You know, whatever the situation is. If you don't, if somebody doesn't want to do that, they shouldn't. They shouldn't just jump into something that they're not either. They're not familiar with or they don't enjoy, because they're not going to want to play the game. If you're not enjoying yourself, you're not going to sit down. You're not going to log in and want to play. It's going to be a chore. You're going to kind of feel like, oh, okay, I have to go and do this now because I'm now required to do this. You know, and it's kind of like, you know, I know you were talking about earlier. It's kind of like logging on Destiny 2 to get your dailies done. It's like, okay, now I got to get on and do this. Otherwise, I'm going to fall behind. You know, it's got to be something that I tell them, say, what do you want to do? You know, where do you want to go? Is there something that you would like to do? And if you if you want to try something, get it started. We'll try it. If not, do something that will make it a positive experience, and you will look forward to logging on and seeing that you know you're going to get that yeah you know, like the people say they talk about the dopamine hit. You know, you get on all oh, of that, and they get all excited. What's going to draw you to come on, get on the game, and play every day or every other day or how often you do it, and you're not just getting on to fulfill your requirement or your obligation but you're doing it to enjoy it and so yeah that's really important because there's i've i've seen some certain individuals who say well you know we need this done can you help us or not and it's kind of like well that's that's not really that's not what playing this game is about it's not about hey what are you going to do for us it's about hey what are you going to do for yourself what are you gonna how are you gonna enjoy yourself so yeah that's that's a big thing even though even though oftentimes we're out there saying hey we need this we need that you can't you know only only if you can only if you want to and 
the whole, you know, it'll, the holes will get filled. Eventually somebody will fill that spot. It's just, you got to do what you enjoy. And, you know, like I said, you know, I started out doing little odd and random odds and things, metals and everything else. And eventually you just, you kind of morph into where you want to be. So. Well, and that boils back to um, the fact of, I think about these corporations that are sort of like, yeah, like we require our players to do this thing, right? Like we require our players to produce this item, right? Yeah, right. And I know me and Lex were having this conversation and probably a few podcast episodes ago. Simply put, it's, you know, uh, was it Lex? You told, I think Lex, yeah. It was actually our very first interaction that me and you, so not podcast episode, but you kind of said, and it's stuck with me ever since that, you know, if people join the corporation, they're joining to play in a group, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, you know, when we talk about shipbuilding, and we'll, and we'll get onto that subject here in a little bit, is, uh, stay tuned, um, is that, you know, you're right. Like, we're not forcing people to play, to be like this thing. But in the same stroke, it's like, okay, guys, uh, we have a goal. Are you in on this goal? Yes or no, right? And be like, yes, I am in on this goal. Like, this is the goal I want to achieve. I want to build a ship. Okay, good. So to achieve this goal, you need to do this. And they'll be like, oh, good. Because then it's sort of like, it's not just arbitrarily being like, go do this thing. It's more of you've you've agreed to this goal, right? And it's like, you have a stake in the game now, right? Like, this is something that this is not so much as like inception. It's like, it's become your idea, right? It's that, that this... This us telling you to do this thing now is not so much me telling you to arbitrarily do this thing or forcing you to do this thing. It's more of you and me, we've agreed to a goal and now let's both go and pursue this goal together. You're going to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing, right? And then working towards it. So I just want to be clear to our listeners that that really, when we're talking about, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Goli, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but when we're talking about forcing or like when a new player comes and they say, oh, what should I do? That both me and, and goalie both agree that it's kind of like do whatever you think is fun, right? But at some point down the road, you're like, okay, the corporation's going after our goal, and then we kind of tell people, and then it's kind of like we're all mutually consenting to kind of go after this goal together, and then we and then we guide each other down these paths. So I was like, okay, you do this thing, you do this thing, you do this thing. That's a different thing, right? That's a different organism. Do I have that right, goalie? Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's, so I guess the kind of the best way to highlight that is to say, you know, I've had a couple of guys come to me and they say, um, you know, Hey, I, you know, I like the idea of shipbuilding. What can I do? And, and they're, they're just starting. And, and I, you know, and when you're just starting the idea of building a ship is really cool. And I say, I told the one of the guys, I said, you know, if, if this is the route you want to go on right now, the best thing for you to do is develop yourself a company get, you know, find a niche to, to, you know, kind of implant yourself into that you can make some money, grow your company and get to a point where you can, you know, decide, you know, make, make some contributions in the higher levels. Because right now, you know, something like, even if you're getting into metals and everything, somebody who's starting out their, their, their brand new company is not, you know, they're not, even though, even though they're going to, they're going to start on that road to maybe like doing shipbuilding and everything, Every company, everything, everybody out there generally doesn't just jump right into 
what they end up wanting to do on day one. It's a slow process of getting to where you want. Maybe not a slow process, but it's a process of getting there. I guess I'll ask a question on this. Is it legitimate for players to play the other way? What other way? To play with the structured, highly... Like, is that a legitimate way to play this game? Oh, oh yeah. As, sure. as far as I'm concerned, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's no illegitimate way to play a game unless you're cheating. So I wanted to kind of play a fun little a fun little mini game here um, because goalie, you've kind of told me your thoughts, and, and goalie, you've you've kind of been in that corporate scope. But I wanted to give Dehas and Lex an opportunity to answer this question. So, Lex, I'm going to start with you. So, pretend I'm a new player. And I cut in your corporate leader and I come to you and I tell and I ask you what, like, what should I do? Like, what, what do you want me to do? Like, how do I begin this game? What would your answer be? Make fuel. I mean, I'm joking, <laughs> but, 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 it, but in all seriousness, uh, start with a simple tier one manufacturing and start or, or tier one production. Start from there. Just do that. Pick a newbie planet. You give them a list. Uh, give them a couple of different occupational starts. Be like, go do this. Just do this for a while. And then, you know, and if they're Dejas, then go get a loan and do this 30 times more than you did before. <laughs> but, but, but essentially, yeah, that, that to me is just make a few things. Like that's the start. Just make some stuff. So, so is, is the wrong answer telling them to go make coffee? Is that, I mean, you know, coffee. <laughs> Well, but the thing I would tell almost any new player is don't try to do anything complicated until you understand the game better. Like that's, like there's some shipbuilding is really cool, but it is not a beginner activity. It's got you have to know too many things to do it. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's completely and totally legitimate to go to players and be like, you know, you just need to you need to learn some things. It's totally fine. And uh, to me, that's probably the biggest thing is I have had to learn how little I knew and just start simple, basically. And that, that to me is probably the biggest thing I would change about my experience to this point is just I need to know more about the simple stuff and get good at the simple stuff. And for me, that was honestly, for me, that was fuel. Fuel turned it up being that. It's like, my game really started when I started building fuel and could do and started making enough money and to start doing other things. And that, that's, that was sufficient for me. So different people, different requirements, but that worked for me. Well, and to your point, Lex, uh, I don't know if it was you and me, correct me if I'm wrong, it was you and me. It might've been somebody else than me. You know, when we first started in the corporation, like our big thing was like, Oh, let's, uh, you know, let's use Pruner and figure out how to build these massive refining bases, right? Like where it's just like a pure refining setup and we import the gallerite, import the ammonia, import the hydrogen. And then it's just like, oh, that's completely unreasonable. There's no way you're going to get that done uh, unless yeah. you have a bigger and better ship, right? And, or, and so, or you borrow or you do like, or you do other more complicated things, but yeah. Yeah. And I think the big thing too is just like back to your point, you you said it pretty aptly, like you had to learn how much you didn't know, yeah. right? That's very true. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. So Dehas, let me ask you this question. So I'm a new player, come to your corporation. What will you say? Uh, I come to you and I ask you, what would um, what can I do? Like, what do you want me to do? 
So I think that the way to learn to play this game is to uh, start with something simple that is uh, easy to make or extract that has a lot of volume that's traded on the commodity exchange. And here's why I say that. So like drinking water, as an example, drinking water is in, always in demand. Uh, and it is also very simple to make. Um, and so it, you can figure out how to work all the basic mechanics of the game by just simply making drinking water. And it's always going to be profitable. Uh, well, not always. I mean, you can <laughs> you can make it non-profitable, but um, it's very easy to make it profitable. And so I, there's like a, a whole handful of those things, like drinking water, probably several different uh, mining, several different ores, mining, um, uh, doing smelting, or some of the some of the more basics. Probably not smelting. That requires pioneer uh, more than pioneers, I think. Um, anyway, that's what I would point them to is something that's kind of um, Easy to make, high volume, so they're not going to have trouble moving it on the market. You don't want, you don't, you do not want to get stuck with inventory as a new player where that you can't sell it for a profit. Uh, you want something that moves a lot, well, and then from there you, you expand slowly and incrementally into whatever interests you from that starting point. Well, and the thing is, is if you don't have that volume there, I think that's, I think that's the big thing too. Like somebody. I remember when I first started playing this game, uh, you know, a lot of people were chatting about telling me like, um, like BFABs, for instance, BFABs and the margins behind BFABs. Well, first of all, the margins aren't like super duper. I mean, they're okay. They're okay. Um, yeah. But also like that, they just don't have that volume that like a lot of these other things, a lot of these other things have. And, you know, if we were to talk money over time as being a function, then it's like, you know, a lot of these other high volume items were going to win, right, in the end run. And you're right. Yeah. That, you're pretty, what you've just said is pretty much what I would tell anybody else. And I have, I have been telling people, um, you know, in any, in some of my videos, I, I chat, and like in the trading video that I made, especially, it's just like, yeah, trade on high volume items, like, because you don't want to be stuck with this stuff for long. You want to be keeping your ships moving, keeping your ships going. So definitely, no, 100%. You you want something part of your, your you want your initial build you want something that's going to provide you with constant liquidity because if you ever get stuck in a place where you can't buy the fuel you need to get your ship moving you're <laughs> you're in trouble and and i think that i think that um the other kind of key to the volume thing is something that moves all the time um so like the thing about bfabs if you're selling bfabs they tend to be very bursty um, whereas drinking water is always in, always needed. If fuel is fuel is a little bursty, but not as not the same. Like no, fuel yeah, sells no. pretty constantly, though. Constantly, right? yeah. Fuel is the same way. That's I would say a our, lot of the. I was going to say that's going to be our second T-shirt as uh, BFABs are bursty. But 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 here's <laughs> the, but here's the thing about uh, about both the drinking water start, which is a apparently a very good start, and the fuel start, which used to be really great, now it's just really good. Simple, very easy mechanical things to make. Yes, yes, you very. You don't have to know a lot to make them. You don't have to have complicated machinery. 
I think the only thing about refineries that's even mildly tricky is that they do use some settlers. But even then, that's actually a good learning experience. You, just, you learn about HB1s and HB2s, and you learn about the slightly different needs. Like there's good learning there, but it's not. But the thing about refineries is you can get away with not having the settlers at first, and you're still okay, right? Yes. Whereas I, I wouldn't want to start with manufacturing or any of the it takes understanding like not construction. I wouldn't want to start with anything that is difficult to understand and you can easily fail with. One of the nice things about fuel production is you make your own ship's ability to move around, right? So you you at least solve that problem. And and so there's a lot of safety in those things. And for new players, I think that's really, really important. Well with uh with drinking water and rations that I started with, that was self-producing what my base needed to keep going, which was also nice. That that's also just a just to chime in really quick. That's also a really good reason for beginners to go and get into the BFABs because as they grow their base, they're generating the things they need to grow their base. They don't have to buy their their expansion. They can simply produce their expansion and continue if they want to just keep making more BFABs or whatever. Um, even though, like you said, BFABs go up and down, you know, generally people will have a have that 90-day cycle of when they need them. You're always going to be able to sell them, and you're always going to need them because even if you're not building your base, you're keeping your base up. So that's, right. a, that's another, right. good, another good, good reason to get into something like that as well. And BFABs aren't really that complex either. They're more complex than like drinking water, but they're not that complex. Some aluminum, some refineries. The complexity there is the, it requires more underlying pieces. Yeah. Enough that it's actually kind of annoying. And I do think, I do think that um, being able to have your entire first production tree on a single planet is important. That, that's very helpful. Especially if you're, especially if you're, if you're not making fuel, you don't want to have to buy fuel and move stuff around. Uh, for a for a beginning player, fuel is a killer because it yep. doesn't it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but when you're loading up fifteen hundred units every time, you know, every few days, that's a lot of money for somebody who's not making a couple thousand dollars a day. I I think that the fuel is is a surprisingly solid start even today. I just don't think it's as profitable as it was when it was sold for 13 a unit. But it's still <laughs> but it's still a good it's easy business. It solves a lot of problems. Uh, my thing about so I'm doing BFABs now as my third business and the additional complexity of it is a problem. I I wouldn't have done it as well at had I started that way. There's just more moving parts on that thing. I mean, I do think like uh water just selling water just straight rigs and and selling water is a good start well and i think it, it's easily one of the simplest i think pairs made a really good argument that in in certain ways it's almost unbeatably good in in certain aspects of just being extremely solid uh, easy to do doesn't require a lot of parts operates easily and is profitable like it's got all the pieces it needs so yep. there's there's a lot to be said for something like that where you're dealing with a dealing with a part that turns out to be pretty easy to make and as profitable like that was the thing about fuel to start with is 
easy to make and really profitable. I actually didn't get into drinking water because I wasn't, I did not understand the ether wind opportunity at that point. I just, it's not something I understood. And so I didn't realize the amount of money that could be made on an item that really in other ways is not super profitable. So it's just the volume is so high and you can do so much with that volume that it turns out to be a really good thing. Well, and that's the thing about drinking water is you need it for every tier and you need it for all of the infrastructure buildings. Well, maybe not all, but lots of it for uh, infrastructure. So governors buy it in mass. Like it will, it is the demand for water is huge. So a friend of mine and I were discussing drinking water the other day because if anybody who does any kind of, you know, financial stuff, usually you'll, you'll at, at some point in your life, you'll hear the gold standard when you're talking about currency and other things. And, you know, it's the kind of the idea that you're going to, you're going to relate the value of, of currency or other goods based on the value of a, an ounce of gold or something like that. I think drinking water in the prune universe is the gold standard. Drinking water is the one thing that everyone needs. You can't run the game without it more or less. And the price of drinking water is a, as far as I'm concerned, a great indicator of how a specific area's market is priced and how it's moving because that drinking water, the value of that drinking water there is going to determine, is going to kind of um, give you a little insight into where they are and how, if it's really high or it's really low or whatever that situation is. And I think that would be kind of the drinking water standard for prune. I think there's some argument to be made for that. Interesting. Well, I've, it, it, I've, oh, I've, I was going to say, I brought it up before on, a, uh, I think it was episode three or four, where I try to talk about that consumables such as drinking water and rations are, can, can represent interest rates uh, to some degree. Like they can represent essentially the health of the market uh, based on investment, right? So like if rations and drinking water goes up, it means that more people are investing in more advanced things such as like, so they're not investing in rations and drinking water, but they need it to, because they're investing in things. So when we see, interestingly enough, when we see drinking water and rations go up, now there's obviously 10 million more factors that go into this. So this is very much an economic analysis, nothing more, nothing less. So bear with me on this analysis. But, you know, if, if, if everything was stayed the same, you know, caterus paribus, um, very much so drinking water and rations going up would represent investment in higher, uh, higher tier items. Right. So, so because obviously they still need drinking water and rations, like you said, right. So makes, makes for an interesting analysis. That's for sure. Like a different kind of thought experiment. Let's go that direction. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much corporate comms. Uh, there is a few more things, but you know what? I'll kind of save them for next podcast. Uh, you know, I don't, don't want to put all my cards on the table uh, one podcast at a time. So I'll keep it there. Uh, but like I said, um, yeah, we're going to go into Lex's segment now. Uh, as you guys heard last week, and I personally, I really enjoyed the fact that I didn't have to listen to myself talk for like an hour. So um, I really appreciated Lex's segment. I actually told him afterwards that the uh, purchase and produce section was probably one of the best segments that we've had on the podcast and since probably the inception. So I really enjoyed it, but that's actually not what we're going to be talking about. Um, 
yeah, Lex is going to be chatting a little bit about uh, fertility issues on Antares space. So without further ado, Lex, I give the mic to you. So I, I, it's not entirely Antares, but I, I, the basic element comes from a water cooler discussion plus something that Dejas brought up last week, which is the question of whether or not a person should be attempting to basically do drinking water in that area. And the real driving elements of that, I think, that make it interesting have to do with the unique problems of fertility in that space. So I'm going to go over a couple of the uh, some of the numbers to maybe give some perspective. If you actually look at the number of fertile systems in the game, and there's really not that many. I'm going to count them real quick. Looks like um, less than 30 systems. And if you look at their distances from Antares, so if we start, at, and this is just based off pruner data, if somebody knows something that's inaccurate. So you could do Phobos, but it's minus 20 fertility, and it's got a whole bunch of other potentially good things. Right? It's got H2O, it's got iron and silicon. So it, it's got some natural potential as a, a, it's got oxygen. So the question is, is that where you're going to produce, you know, you're going to produce rations and water there. Demos, which is an aluminum production facility, also has H2O. It's minus 34 fertility. So you've got two negative fertility locations, both near Antares. Harmonia is two away, and that's the only one that starts getting actually half decent. You're at minus 10% fertility there. But it's got pretty weak. Um, it's basically got a, a lot of H2O, but doesn't have any other things. Then you get an electronica, which is negative 50% fertility. That's four away. So the anything within four sectors has got a negative fertility. Ether wind is seven away. To actually get to something with positive fertility, you have to go to Promotor, and you're basically in the Hortus system, right? Whereas if you compare it to what's going on in the Hortus system, you've got, first of all, the actual in the system is Promotor. So you've got a zero from the CX, and it's a 40% fertility planet. So there's already going to be a lot of sort of benefits to going in that direction. And then if you actually look at the high fertility systems, you essentially have Saladin, Promotor, Paragos, I don't know how you say that one, Verdant, Nemesis, Proxion, Kinzia, Telosia. None of these are particularly close to Antares. Antares is much more heavily in the negative fertility compared to many of the locations. Whereas, obviously, the Hortus system, which is sort of famous for its feud production, has a giant fertility. Now, you see, Perry, have argued that fertility is not that big a deal. But I'm, I'm going to challenge that a little bit. I think if you were to look at the amount, the difference in the amount of material you are making on Promotor at a 40% fertility bonus versus how much you were getting on Harmonia, it's almost a 50% increase in the total amount of those materials. Now, admittedly, food processors don't get benefits. This is mostly just farming. But that's a pretty substantial efficiency gain in terms of the amount of workers required to produce a certain amount of goods. And it allows you to focus more on food production or food processors and then it does that. Now that's, I think, an obvious argument for this system. I will ask Dejas, who, because I think this is an interesting one, why he is so heavily Antares-based given these difficulties. What are, what are your reasons? Like, I want to kind of start the conversation there. 
So, uh, I mean, the the kind of beginning reason is because I just when I started the game, I went Antares because reasons like it just sounded cool and uh <laughs> and i picked farmer because i didn't know what i was doing and that was just happened to be have a planet that could work so i ended up on harmonia as, as a starting planet and so that's why i started there but then i realized why i stayed there is because there's not a lot of drinking water and rations production in Antari space. Um, more drinking water, but but just not a lot of rations. And it all comes in from outside, uh, pretty much for the most part. And I'm not the only one who saw this, because there's I, I have been in contact with several other groups of people who literally are, their entire goal is to produce uh, consumables in Antari space, because it's just... The demand is high. Importing it is expensive and time-consuming and unreliable. Um, and so the price is generally consistently above the other exchanges. Um, and a lot of it doesn't actually get traded on the exchanges because the, you need the reliability. And so uh, there's all this push to get every planet that does have even a negative fertility um, my, uh, producing... Uh, grains and and uh, all the the ra uh, ration inputs, um, just because like you can actually do it, it is cheaper for me to produce rations and drinking water in Antari space than it is to import it, which is uh, a um, when I just kind of describe this problem in the water cooler, um, I basically got said told the opposite that it's just not worth it you just go buy it in um uh hortus and import it or it some other place to, import it that seems to be that was that was the claim and you seem to disagree with that claim and i disagree because so an import uh to import large amounts of rations like it they're fairly small so you can pull in a lot and large amounts of drinking water um on a ship you need a ship so logistically you are spending a ship to go transport stuff from point a to point b to resell it at a higher price yes that is super expensive in my book yeah super I would, expensive I would agree. yeah i would agree with that and so that's that's why i say it's cheaper it's not because i i I'm actually not making great margins. I sell, I average probably, uh, well, so I sell in bulk. So I sell at 50 a unit for drinking water and 60 a unit for rations, and which is way below market. Um, and so it's not about, I'm, I'm less concerned about the margins that I can make and more concerned about just the volume that I can move. And I just ran into this really hard wall in Antari space of like, I, there's just not enough farms. I am having a really, really hard time sourcing uh, the the farm the farm outputs that I need to make rations. Yeah. Because the other thing is, so the other dimension of this is, I can go build a farm on um, uh, on Harmonia. 
I don't actually have one on Harmonia, but I, I can go build a farm on Harmonia, but I can't build another farm anywhere that really even makes sense. So Harmonia is negative 10. Negative 20 and negative... What are the other ones you said are just terrible? Yeah. You're kind of making my argument for me. You're kind of making... Not my argument, but you're basically arguing that it doesn't make sense to do it there. But you're doing it there. Yep. Yep. I'm I'm basically saying it doesn't make sense, but it still it makes more sense than than doing if Harmonia if um sorry if Antares doesn't produce uh it will never produce enough. He will always import. It's just it will never produce enough because it's not enough uh fertility. But if it doesn't produce any, it is going to be severely hamstrung in its ability to actually get much done. Because it will rely on logistics. And the logistics is the one of the hardest constraints in the game. I think we had a conversation about that recently. Yes. So, so. I get, so it does... Did, so let me ask a question. Is the profit you're making... It sounds like you're not actually getting enough margins to even justify the pain that you're putting in because you yourself have expressed that you're not, you're not running on very good margins. So you're, you're relying on bulk. Your margins aren't very good, but the demand is high. So I got to ask, what's the, what's the benefit? Uh, Because I can sell a lot of it. If I go, if I go to the market, if I just sell, if I just produce it, well, so this is a little bit of a a complicated story. Sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, if I had everything that I have now, I have seven planets, all devoted in, to some part of the uh, chain of producing consumables, per, tier one and tier two consumables. Um, I got there in about 30 days. And I... I got there by selling large amounts of drinking water and rations at a reliable price at below market rates and delivering it to people's bases. And and these are people in Antares? Yes. So so to you the can even though the margins are lower, the fact that you've got customers there and they want the volume yep. makes the initial business. Yeah, and so, so. they they were willing to pay up front which I can then turn around, I can build some capacity, sell that capacity, then they'll pay up front for four weeks, and then I'll turn around and build more more, more and more and more quantity. And at no point in that chain is it better for me to go send one of my ships to another exchange and pull back rations and drinking water. It is I can always produce more for cheaper in entire space. So has anybody else had this? He's obviously our major producer here. But given what you see there, has anybody had a different experience? Because I this is this was a really interesting water cooler conversation. I just thought I might like goalie, what what is what is GTU? Yeah, obviously all in Moria. That may is it just too far away, I don't care. Is it something that never bothers you, or is there any sort of knowledge involved with that? So um I'm gonna I'm gonna go down a road that uh that uh, Des is probably not going to like because one of the things that I saw in the game is the inability to move 
large volume over long distance. And I was like, hey, how about ships? (laughs) 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 You you know, if you can, you you know, 500 500, um, cubic meters of of drinking water is not as nowhere near as profitable on a fuel on a fuel jump versus 2000. And that's the thing. If you are able to minimize the, the amount of fuel per unit on moving stuff, then you can actually open up a much, a much further distance on your supply you know, we're going, like you, like you said, we're going somewhere, picking it up for X amount and then spending however much it costs to fuel that trip is, is not, a, it's not really going to profit you any moving 500, you know, cubic meters of it. But then if you could move 2000 for not a lot more, that might actually turn it into something that's profitable to do. And if you can do it on a regular basis, because you know that over wherever else, you can pick up, and especially when you're looking at things like a good example is um, what was it we were looking at the other day? Um, oh, perfect example is the, the uh, electrical pieces and stuff like that. They're like 0.12 or 0.25 uh, uh, cubic meters per unit. So you can just, or in fuels, another good example too. You can just fit an uh, just an enormous amount of volume in a larger space, and even though it might it might not it, it might it's it might not sound like you're going to be able to you know do a lot of profit on moving it from a farther away area considering how much you can move at once and so like he was saying if he's got to send a ship all the time to do that he's spending so much in fuel to move so little volume it's not gonna it's it's gonna be way too expensive to do it he's not, he's not gonna be able to pull a profit and so um over in moria and that's the thing. I think I, forget, I want to say, I think maybe Pear was talking about it earlier, but one of you guys was saying one particular area seems to be particularly devoid of certain things. Yeah, notice that. And Moria is definitely one of those areas that's not. You've it is one of the more balanced areas in the game. You've got a really good concentration of just about everything. There are a few things that are hard to come by, but that particular area has a very good spread of whatever people might be looking for. Um, believe it or not, because um, I don't know, if, I don't know how many, I don't know how how much you guys focus on the metals and I don't mean to I don't mean to take this on a tangent but just to kind of say kind of hit on what Lex is saying is that on uh, Valis Valis is, is a great place to start for for iron because the iron ore content isn't pretty isn't yeah, right. I my my iron does not come from Valis even though my my operations are based on Valis because I can draw about 2 to 3 times as much iron ore on Nova in Alaska and I and I smelt it and ship it from there because you know I have the ability to do that. So yeah, so and so that's one of those situations where you would think, oh, look at all the iron ore that you've got there. Why wouldn't you just pull it out of the ground there and smelt it and sell it? It's actually cheaper for me to pull it out over in Oval, Alaska, smelt it there, and ship it over because of just the raw volume. But that's that's an argument for why people bring in the Antares system, right? The 
that right. but one, of things I, one of the things I like about Antares is that it's close to two other really good producers. There's really good food production in um, the Hortus systems. You've got really good fuel production coming out of Katoa, and you've got good manufacturing capabilities or construction capabilities in Antares. So I like that. Now, it sounds like Mori has got maybe a, a tighter version of that, but it is just one of those things that even though it is a little far away, anyone coming from Promotor isn't so ridiculously far away from Antares as to be like on the other side of the map. It's distance, but it's doable. I, I and, guess, oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, please go ahead. I was going to say, I guess my only question would be um, for Des is, so, and again, I, I, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to sidetrack or anything, but I'm just curious. Des, do you run any uh, anything other than starter ships? I have two starter ships and a 2K2K. Okay, so you And I'm working on a puddle jumper. I'm actually working on... I want to get two puddle jumpers and another 2K2K. Okay. So, I mean, you've, you've, you've actually upped your volume of movement and everything. Yeah. Um, is it still... Even with the ability to move higher volumes, it's, is it still more profitable to run locally than to try and generate something that's got a little bit more output? So, I mean, if I'm just going, it, the, what was suggested to me is what I should do is go buy off of another exchange and sell for a higher price. That, and, that's tough. That's, you're going you're gonna to be tough to do that, I think. Yeah, that's, that's, like, that's, there's just, that's not on starter for me. Because um, at best, you're what? Like 10, 10 20% margin on an already inflated price in the commodity exchange right. so you know and part of this might just be that i started in taris and so that's where i was and so but somebody you know who has already had an established base on uh, in in hortus area maybe exporting to antares would be a very profitable situation for them but i'm i still like if it's a it's at least a two day round trip to another exchange, um, and I'm gonna use that as a proxy for a, if a I have a full uh, ship of product that I can uh, that I'm doing a round trip with in two days to go pick it up from you know wherever the, my gathering point is for all my local production in another exchange. Um, and then pull it into our Antares space, then that ship is two days of nothing else that it can do. And so that's that's the problem I'm running into. That's the real problem I'm running into. It's not even like the total volume of product that I can move. It's the number of ships that I have to actually move it to all the different places I need. Because I'm producing several thousand of drinking water a day. I forget what the exact number is, and it kind of varies because I can swap into more rations, more drinking water as I need it. Um, so but I, I, oh, I guess maybe, maybe I don't know. If, like, I don't know, Lex. You can tell me. I think maybe, maybe Lex's question is how do you have an aversion to to finding a some a um, high fertility location that you would, with the ability to move more, look at 
moving your 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 operation there versus not at all i have no aversion to that in fact i've had to out of necessity go to uh i have a base now on proxion that's that's my that's the the it's not the closest for for all planet but it is the closest to a place that i already had it's the closest to uh etherwind which i already just have full up on rigs to mine water off of and so I have I have this loop that I do with my massive ship that goes out to Proxion. Uh, it cycles back and forth between um, Etherwind three times a week, and then uh, as an extra leg once a week, it goes out to Proxion to pick up all my uh, farm output. So even though you're an Antares person, you found it was basically necessary to expand out of the region to really yeah. grow. Yeah, I have to. Like, I cannot. And I tried. I tried finding other people who were on Harmonia doing farm output, and I just like I can't find them. And I had somebody actually just earlier today saw my my public announcement message that hey, I'm looking for a farm output. Messaged me today to see if I got any responses to that because I completely forgot about it, and I had none. Mm. And like, there's just it's in it's almost impossible. And I I regularly completely buy out the supply of several different farm outputs on Antares exchange like just completely purchase all the supply there hmm. and so like I can't I can't and I can make it I, I can pay a pretty high price for the inputs to, to rations and still make decent margins on it so let me ask uh, you let me ask you a question yeah. If you were starting over and you wanted to get in this business, would you have picked Antares? That is a fantastic question. And I don't know the answer because there's two different ways of looking at this. So here's here's one of the things that I I can I have I have a small kind of like disagreement with many people. <laughs> um so I have let's talk about Demos, for example. I am, I, Demos for me is 100% food producer, food uh, processors. Wow. I'm a little surprised you do that, to be honest. And that, that is, that is everyone's reaction. Um, because they're like, why would you do that? That's not what Demos is for. That planet's got too many other good things to be food processing on. I'd find a rock in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> well, it, but that's the thing is, what am, I, what am I doing? Well, I'm doing it on Deimos. I'm actually going to expand to all of the rock, rocky planets in <laughs> Deimos, Antares, and Harmonia because I need that much capacity. And all I'm going to do is just stack food processors everywhere. Well, why? so it seems to me like you would just be better to move to the high fertility planets and get a much reduced chain. That's what I would think if I had that situation. And okay. and that's what my my goal is probably I'm what I'm going to do is expand to I'm going to have a base on all the high fertility planets and I'm going to have to import just massive quantities um and eventually probably build you know build uh bases and produce my rations externally and then just fly massive amounts cuz they're it, uh, rations are tiny compared to, you know, grain and. Um, so it, 
it sounds like it's doable on a small scale. But it's doable you, on a small scale. But you but as you're trying to scale up, it's just not worth it and you don't Yeah. It almost sounds you would start a different place, it sounds like. If you yeah. were starting at the beginning, you would as much as Antares is is profitable in some way, you would have done better to start somewhere else for what you're trying to do. Well, and this is the one of the fundamental things is that if I started somewhere else, I wouldn't be trying to solve this problem. I would be sell. I would be happy selling rations and drinking water in some other place. And so, I'm not the only one doing this. There's uh, a group of people who are trying to basically. They have it's there. It's an informal corporation where they're trying to just massively produce rations and drinking water in entire space and i i would i think that if i started somewhere else and they had started somewhere else somebody else would be doing this because there's such a need for it and importing it without people kind of like emotionally if you will tied to entire space there will not be enough supply you know i i live in a part of the country that has like one really big city around and then a bunch of small cities and one of the things i've always been fascinated by is why people run some of the businesses they do out in those small towns, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. There's, there's no real demand. It's a lot harder, but this is what you decided to do. And, and I guess it, it's a case of the market can support a certain size and you feel like you can meet that, but it, it's only going to get so big and then you can't get any bigger than that. Well, and the problem is that the demand is huge. But the supply, the ability to supply that locally is just not there. You have to go build and import huge amounts of stuff, which I'm struggling to do logistically because I don't have ships and they're expensive. And that takes. That's not true. You have ships. What are you talking about? You got more <laughs> ships than I have. You're talking I don't about have a ship. <laughs> I don't have enough ships. Let's put it that way. And, and you know, we, we had a. Sorry. No, we we had a fun conversation about that last week, and you specifically said, Dejas, that you like that. That's the fun part for you. So, well, yeah. So this is this is the fun challenge for me is trying to figure out how to solve this puzzle. But I think that the the ship problem, I it's it is it is the it is causing me a lot of problems right now. So I mean, I had a. Um, I had a little bit of a, a rough weekend and early part of this week, personally, for reasons that don't matter. But what that did is let it caused me to not run my shipping optimally. And I am desperately trying to recover from that. It, that was something we remarked on in the conversation last time, was the way you're, you're at such a, a fine line of complexity. Like, I have chosen a slower path so that if work gets busy... I don't, it doesn't fall apart, right? You, you're running at the things fall apart point if you're not at maximum. I, I don't know how you, I honestly, I don't know how you do it. Like, it seems crazy to me. I have, I have spreadsheets. I have a process. I have, I'm very, I have things carefully timed. I have, I do have margin. That's, I have margin built in, but sometimes that margin gets eaten up. Yeah, I, I, I like to have crazy amounts of margin, probably more than I should. I just, but yeah, but it sounds, 
Yeah, it sounds like you've given an answer to the thing. I, I don't want to keep this segment going any yeah, longer. Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like this segment's kind of addressed the topic. And, of course, we'll have some – I, I kind of want to finish on I, – I do read the water cooler. I've got some other things for the next section. Anybody that uh, communicates uh, – anything that's really interesting there, I, I want to bring into this. And I always look forward to feedback in the water cooler segment. So I'll hand it back to you, Seeper. Awesome. Thanks, Lex. Now – and, you know, we, we've said it a few times now how, uh, you know, me and Lex's sort of styles contrast each other and they sort of complement each other. Um, but in the same stroke, you know, we're always, uh, yeah, we always get we always get along. And, yeah, I just really enjoy Lex's analytical approach to things. And, uh, and Lex puts up with my dad humor. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, no, I, I, I'd say we'd save the best for last, but this isn't the last segment. We got purchased and produced from Lex, but um, it kind of feels like the last sort of freeform section of the podcast tonight. And it's something that I am steeped in anticipation. Steeped, I tell you. Um, and that is on shipbuilding. And so as I mentioned previous, as I alluded to at the beginning of this podcast, um we invited Goldie to come on the podcast as somebody that I recognized as being somebody that's kind of knowledgeable about the subject and sort of, um, yeah, just had a great deal of interest about kind of shipbuilding and how that's gone. So Goldie, you kind of said at the beginning of the podcast that you're sort of a newcomer to GTU. So how long have you kind of been in GTU then? Well, I mean, I've been in GTU for about a year and a half, um, but but GTU has been a long, has been around since the release of you know public access to the game. So it's you know even though yeah I've been around for a year and a half, when you look at it versus they've been doing what they've been doing for quite a while through name changes and everything. So um, they have been just incredible in their um, their you know, inviting me into the fold. And again, I, I would have not, and I would have not had the, the start that I had without the camaraderie and the, um, you know, just the, like I said, it's, it's just a very, very laid back bunch of guys that are a bunch of guys and girls and people that just want to play the game together. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, I've always been, I've been through every aspect of gaming and, um, you know, I play, I've, I've played the games that are high, you know, high competition and the ones that aren't. And I've gotten to the point now where, you know, I don't have time to be, you know, doing, having a second job, you know, got one job, it's good enough. So there, you know, I came in and they, they were, you know, they were very helpful and, um, any questions that I had, generally somebody had an answer to, you know, it was, and that's one, I think that's, you know, we, everyone was talking about earlier, the, the steep learning curve that comes with starting up in Prune. It's, you know, it's steep. You, you can't sit down there. There's no, there's those fantastic videos, but um, there's no uh, starting quest. There's no, Hey, this is how you get your start. They really just kind of hand off a whole bunch of materials to you and say, go at it champ. And that's, you know, having a few people to ask questions was a really big help. And 
yeah uh but since then what i think one of the reasons why i kind of grew into the position i'm in now is that being a big dork that i am big nerd that i am i had the idea of building spaceships was like oh my god i want to build spaceships and so from day one that i knew that that was going to be what i wanted to do and and i literally from day one said okay what's what's the route to do this and i got a lot of other member other gtu members attention early on by saying i want to start making ships and they're like we can't make ships i mean what do you mean you can't make ships but you can't make you know i want to be the first one to have a i actually had the goal of being the first one in this universe to have a um you know a jump worthy ship I, I someone beat me to it i don't remember who it was but there were a couple of people that got in before me but i was shortly after that and it was it was a race once the scientist um population started dropping it was a race to see who could pump out the first um weak artificial intelligence lines to produce the materials that were needed for the components of the jump drives and so on and so forth so that was the uh that was that was what kind of started it but anyway i digress um so yeah i'm i'm fairly new with gtu considering the old guard of the of the group they've been around for since the since the since the public opening of the game more or less so so I, <clears throat> so you so that's actually kind of interesting so like i'm i just to let you know listeners i'm kind of learning about this too as as goalie's kind of talking about it so me and you are learning together um so GTU's original goal then wasn't really shipbuilding. What was it? It's sort of original goal. Um, if, so, if there was a goal, I mean, there there was a goal. Um, and I'm I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna do something that I that I, I just the only way I really can give good props to one of the one of the one of the individuals who was very early on with the group, if not one of the original formers. Just through, I'm I'm, I'm I, I hate to do this, but I'm just gonna kind of read what he said regarding the group because it really does kind of give you an idea and he, he said gtu has its very roots helping newbies get a start and in messaging or i'm sorry in messing with the status quo uh, original original the promontorian truckers union was focused on hortus spaced two universes ago uh, our leaders at the time lord scrub which i don't apparently i don't personally know very much about lord scrub but i've heard that there was a big deal a big situation that came up with that. I don't, but anyway, um, Gravity developed a website to train new players, specifically in the art of cross-market arbitrage. Um, during that time, we lived under the oppressive governorship of the infamous Catfizz. Again, these are before my time. I don't know what it is. But anyway, basically, I, I won't get too much into it, but he says they basically set up a, you know, kind of a, organization to get new players in to understand the game and to use that the platform of that like free market setup where people could just go and do whatever they want to get other get everybody bring everybody in and and get them successful and uh they just concern themselves a, a loosely knit band of of individuals who um, just desire to grow the community and help people start in the game and just have fun. That's that's kind of just the, the gist of it. And um, he he just he closes it up by saying whether they're overflowing overthrowing coups or flooding the world with tacos. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's what that's what that's what they do. So so 
so you were sort of the initial sort of initializer, sort of speak, of shipbuilding then. Oh, there's there had been talk of it. And uh, myself and one of the other guys um, were really the first ones to really, because w- before, so, and again, I apologize because I've, I've gotten myself to kind of understand everything. But for those for for those who are going to be listening and don't understand the complexities of how we got to where we are with shipbuilding, before there was a point at which in the game, and again, anybody who hasn't gone very far in their production lines wouldn't even know about this. There was a point at which in this universe where there were no scientist populations that had not been introduced yet. And in order to produce ships that were capable of traveling, you know, that were capable of traveling between systems, there were certain components that would require you to have, because you know how some some buildings work off of a certain percentage of one population and a certain percentage of another. There are certain sure. buildings. So there are certain buildings in the um, tree for shipbuilding that require 100% scientists. So you can't run that building. Isn't that like the engine building, like the building to build engines requires oh, like pure scientists or something like that? Luckily, luckily no. The, um, the, the propulsions... Um, is a combination of engineers and scientists. What actually ended up holding was what holding it up was the uh, uh, software uh, to run weak artificial intelligence. Let me bring that up really quick. The weak artificial intelligence requires, and if I remember correctly, it was the software labs. Yeah, that's what it was. They are um, basically twenty scientists. So if you don't have scientists, you can't run that. And in order to run the weak artificial intelligence, you need to have the the scientists. And those weak artificial intelligence uh, components are components to the most important parts of the, um, I guess you'll call it the interstellar travel, which are the, um, the life, life, uh, the life support systems and, um, certain aspects of of the propulsion system. So yeah, you can't run the propulsion systems without scientists because um, the the propulsion systems need um, the automated cooling systems, which you require the uh, scientists to run the uh, weak artificial intelligence for. So, in long story short, yes, in order to run the so, propulsion systems, you need the, the the scientists. So how did you solve this issue then? Like so, like. Because one of the things, so we're kind of diving into the weeds now here. Um, so we're talking, like, we're talking about getting into shipbuilding. That's that's no secret. Um, <clears throat> but like, so we were looking at like planning, right? We're looking at planning how to get the ship built and all this jazz. But then we were like, okay, well, we need a lot of liquidity. So we're going after liquidity first. We're getting the cash needed to start purchasing massive amounts of B-fabs, R-fabs, L-fabs, what have you not, so that we can start actually getting serious about doing the shipbuilding. So that's, so that's step one. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing that was step one for you guys. Is that sort of correct? Yes? So, yes and no. One of the things that, that I did early on in the game is I never, um, I, I think it was Lex that was saying it, or maybe it was Des uh, saying that, in essence, never I never put all of my eggs in one basket. I always had a very diverse line of products and things that I was doing. So that way, if something started to get weak, I could shift and continue in a separate area and then move direction. So a lot of player, again, like 
mentioning earlier, a lot of players will will have a tendency if they want, especially if they want the speed run. You know, there's a, there's there's a there are a lot of gamers out there that want the speed run. They want to get to the highest level they can get as quickly as possible. And the only way to really do that in prone is to volume, just produce a, just the unfathomable amount of volume to sell it wherever and make the profit. That's going to be your speed run. You're going to just you're going to you're going to build thousands of this or, you know, you're going to sell thousands of rations. You're going to sell thousands of drinking water. And even though it's not a, it's a small profit, the volume makes up the profit. Um, and when you're when you diversify your stuff and you, you're doing a lot of different things at once, you're not you're not doing a speed run. But when things get weird and prices go really wonky you have the ability to kind of step back from one area and balance in the area. And being in that position, I was actually in a pretty unique position to generate a lot of the inputs for the, the shipbuilding setup. So I sat down with one of the other guys, um, uh, Mad Monk. I don't know if you might have seen him around. He does a lot of the yeah, electronics. Yeah, I've heard his name. Yeah. He does a lot of the electronics. He he is He, he was the... He was the 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 really probably one of the biggest supporters of getting into the shipbuilding because he he wanted he he saw the interest in getting into the electronics and running the which would eventually become the the uh, software labs and everything to run the artif- you know the the WAI's the weak artificial intelligence and that. Um, but he uh, him and I sat down and we said, okay, we know where we want to be. We we have the ship. We have the components to build the ship. And then we just we did just what everybody what anyone else does is you just drew the lines backward from those components. You say, okay, if we we want this, we're gonna need this. And we took the time to to see what we were gonna need and how and then at that point, once we knew what we were gonna need, we needed we sat down, we said, Okay, how are we gonna get it? Um, luckily in GTU there is a very diverse group of people playing and there are huge volume players and there are players that are more specific, you know, lower volume, more diversity. And through all of that, we were able to um, come up with a plan to have what we needed. Now, when we first started building ships and uh, I'll, I'll be honest, the first ship that we put together was the first kit ship kit was my kit, my ship to move, uh, a, uh, it was the, um, the high, high weight ship with a 3000 ton, 1000 cubic meter cargo just for, you know, metals because metals are heavy. (laughs) Um, but we, that was, that was our, that was our goal. We just, we, it was honestly, it was really just a, a continuation of small goals it was just okay. We need to be at this point. Let's get to this point, and then once we get there, then we need to move on to this next point. And once we started rolling, once we started making progress, and once the they we started being able to produce the things that the scientists run, and we started seeing actual fruition coming from these things, then more people saw. I think other people in the in in the in the in the corpse saw it happening and they're like, okay, well this is actually, because before you could talk about it, but it wasn't going to happen because you didn't have the ability to do it. As soon as, I think as soon as everybody else saw that there was actually this ship that was in the process of being built, they were like, Hey, okay, well let's get on this. 
And I think that <laughs> sounds yeah, like a bandwagon, I, essentially. Well, right. I mean, I mean, realistically, yeah. Because like, again, wait a second. So they're actually serious. Well, wait, like no one was talking <laughs> about it, but like I didn't think he was serious about this. And and that's the thing. It was all just planning until they actually, you know, actually generated the first lines of uh, <laughs> of the of the scientist populations. As I would have loved happened. to be a. I would have loved to be a, like a carbon producer, just been like. Uh, hey, we got all the components for a ship, but we uh, we need some of your car. Wait, you have all the components for a ship? What? <laughs> and it was it was just it was it was it was very gratifying to to reach that first that first ship kit goal because so, it took uh, forever. It took but, forever. But back to the liquidity question. So was that mm-hmm. kind of your first initial goal? Was getting liquidity so you could afford like AMLs and, oh, and yeah. kind of more advanced kind of. Things. Sorry, because requ- no, 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 no. I, I, I love listening. I love listening to your tangents. I love it. Uh, that's what a podcast is for. But like, so was that kind of the initial goal? Was like, hey, we need money to go and buy massive quantities. Of, and you kind of alluded to it with the volume, right? Speed running, speed running to liquidity requires volume, right? As I've discovered with Etherwind, right? Um, is that kind of true to some degree? Well, yes and no. Um, it, it was it actually it also kind of ended up being a perfect storm on timing too because they they ran that um situation that um and i don't know again i don't know if anybody in the in the in, in the voice chat right now knew or, or noticed about the that um i think they called it the uh far out contest or something like that or the far reaches contest where they again they were looking for a system to be settled farther out from the established areas and so they were going to they they ran this contest everybody registered who wanted to be part of it would register a specific planet and then they didn't really get it specific as to what benchmarks they were looking for but they there was benchmarks that they said if they were met and everything that these in certain planets would be given a starting planet and a and a CX and that's why we have we now have 6 instead of just the 4 um but they started that right around the time we started to really put our plans together for building ships and the area that we were looking at that that they were um you know they were going to use for their their entry happened to be very close to an area where i could pull a lot of the materials that i needed for building ship components and so i was like hey i'm going to go out here and help you guys do that and i'm also going to you know start actually generating this component line for what we're going to need and you know it, it it was just it was a very small start you know that's that there's only two ways of, of reaching you know where you're going to go with that you like you said either the large volume liquidity and and just buying massive volume in order to just start something right away or literally just kind of planting a tiny little tree and just letting it grow because you know if you don't have everything you need now if you do a, if you just build a little bit at a time, by the time you're ready, everything will be re- You know, everything will be built, and that was kind of a combination of that. We we slowly rooted the the um, supply line for what we were going to need for the metals, for the plastics, for the uh, uh, the different components. And so, I guess it's a hard question because since then as we've continued to produce more ship kits, more volume of the components, more people have put in orders for those kits and those kits 
um, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people have come in and they've, they've filled out a form for a ship kit and, um, oh, wow, it's pretty expensive. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> ship is pretty expensive. Um, tell me more about this expensiveness. <laughs> well, so, so we have, um, I put together like a little order form, basically that anybody, any player who wants to, you know, look into getting a ship, they can go into the order form and look at the different, we put together a few specific, um, I guess you say build kits that are like kind of a generally, you know, good basic start for what, what you might want. And they'll generally run from, uh, around, well, so like the, like a glass ship, like a basic glass engine ship. That's not, that's a, what's what we call the STL ships, STL basic ship, which is just, it doesn't leave the system where you build it. It stays in that system. It doesn't have an FTL drive. So it just goes between planets. Um, that's going to usually start anywhere around around five hundred thousand. That's the start for that. Um, they can span from there up to um, somewhere between three and five million, depending on you know <clears throat> what you know how much stuff you want and you know what you want to do with it. Um, there's a lot of cost in the components for um, the crew components. I always thought that the metals and stuff like that would end up being the most expensive part of the ships, but it's actually the components. It's the um, the life support systems, the uh, oh, I believe it, yeah, stuff like that. Those are very expensive components of the ships, um, and the and the FTL components too, um, heavy, heavily heavy on the electronics, which a lot of that is just straight up um, uh, high tier uh, high tier building time. And so even though there's not a lot of material that might go into it, just the raw volume of time running those expensive buildings adds up to the value, you know, to the price of, of that particular component because you're, you're, you have to pay to run that, that building regardless of how much material goes into it. So, so. Let's, let's back up here a step. Let's, let's actually rewind here. Okay. Um, so you've kind of – you've gone – You've talked about, yeah, and that's actually very interesting, like starting at the end of the production chain. And and that's actually a large in part what some of the more smarter people in our, uh, like smarter than me, sorry. Everybody's smart in my corporation and most people are smarter than me. <laughs> um, uh, some really smart people have figured out, um, you know, yeah, starting at the end and then working backwards, right? And and, and then right. just pop, 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 pop. Um, but so... <laughs> One of the things that I've been ruminating about and, and me and Lex have had lots of conversations about, um, you know, getting people involved, right? Getting people involved in, in what we're trying to do here. And so was it just you and this other gentleman that pretty much like, like, so it was just two people that, that oh, kind of started this no. whole shebang? No, so I how many, wasn't... how many people are involved in this whole, in this so... whole cabal? Right now, right now, uh, the total amount of of component producers on our uh, for our sh- quote unquote shipworks is <clears throat> I want to say it's five. Let me double check. I can actually double check right now, but I want to say it's around five. Um, but they're all I don't want to say they're dedicated to just because they're not just dedicated to um, shipbuilding, but they have made the decision. And like you guys were saying earlier, they've made the decision to dedicate, um, you know, dedicate a, a good amount of their function to 
to running these ship lines. Sure. Let's see. And, One, two, and three, like six. Sorry, six. So people. six people. So what would you say of those six people? Because like a lot of it, like so, like we're like I'm building flowcharts and actually. I've kind of stopped because one of our other smart uh, people in the corporation has actually started working on this a little bit, in my opinion, a more better system for organizing this jazz. Um, but one thing that I've noticed, especially, is that it requires a lot of raw, right? So a lot of like, like for instance, like to build like a basic STL ship or something like that, it requires like all the metals except tungsten, for instance, right? And things like that. Even... So, so mm. my question is. Um, of those six people, like how much stuff do you guys, how much stuff do you guys buy from the CX then? Well, I, I would be, I would be lying if I told you we, we, we've usually buy much of anything off of the CX. We, we've, one of the, one of the truths that we came to early on with the project is that we would not, it wouldn't function if we had to rely on the market to supply us for what we needed. And that was why. Is that right? Like, so we're talking like basic items here, mm-hmm. like, like oxygen and hydrogen. Yep. So you're saying that you were kind of like, no, we're not going to rely on the market, essentially. I mean, so each, every, every, every company every, or every individual that's in, you know, they, we, you know, we, there's no grand scheme of telling where you can and can't get stuff. And I, again, it's not like they don't. There's plenty of times I even I go to the, the CX to get stuff when it's like, okay, I'm not gonna be able to have this ready in time. I need to get a, you know, this at the CX to keep my keep my timing right. So that happens. But looking at it from a planning point when we when we knew that we were gonna especially once we once once I put because I, I put it out there and I was like, I kinda wanna like set up an ordering situation system where people can give us orders and we can produce these kits. And they were like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Once we got to that point, we also had to realize that we can't rely on, we can't take these orders and then tell people, well, we can't get this stuff. So you're going to have to wait. (laughs) So we, we, we realized that we were going to have to be responsible for whatever requirements needed to be met. Um, The metals, I had a really good hold on. um, And we've got a couple of the guys that do metals too. And again, there's one of the guys in particular that just does just raw volume. He's usually doing the, you know, the, um, the plates, the, the whole plates and stuff like that, because that just takes just a huge volume of metal. Um, so, but, but you say you got the, you got the metal covered. I, I can't wrap my head around. Like, so help me wrap my head around this then. Okay. So you say you got the metal covered, but mm. like, I mean, I pull up the metal now and like it requires quite a number of ores. Like I'm looking here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Let's go with eight. Uh, or even here. Here is a better idea. Pair. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So seven. So do you have seven planets? No. no. <laughs> so no. when you say you got the middle so, covered, I'm guessing you're buying stuff from the CX. So so when you look so if you're just looking at it from that aspect so you so you're looking at it as just okay seven ores seven metals um it's there's a specific specialization like i said i i'm generally focusing on the me personally f- focusing on the um the ferrous metals so iron and steel 
um, you know, doing a little bit of aluminum, uh, copper, nobody else. I'm usually the only one doing copper, um, gold, um, that stuff. We have somebody else that's going to be running the tungsten because tungsten is just a pain. I didn't want to deal with it. Um, and, um, you know, titanium, I run some titanium, but the, I, I do, we, because everybody has kind of got a spread out footprint for what where they're running stuff everybody has got a base somewhere that can pull what we need you see what i'm saying so even though i do you like logistically like pull like aluminum from somebody and then copper or like when i'm talking aluminum i mean ore so like the ore ore. so like so do you pull aluminum from somebody and copper from somebody and gold from somebody and and you provide the iron is that kind of how this whole shebang works um in a way um so 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 i'll I'll just i'll kind of just kind of quickly outline uh, we'll go we'll go from my aspect of what i would do for a ship order ship order comes in and we need um uh i'm gonna have to run stuff for the um you know for the components i uh usually am running the um uh metalist studio buildings Okay, those are the the settler buildings, the metal the metallurgy settler buildings, and those are going to be running your 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 electronic your electronic pieces, your your connectors, your um, your uh, basic connectors, your uh, high high load connectors. I think what they were called HCCs, BCOs, and BCGs. And so what I do is I'm pulling and smelting iron, copper, uh, and gold. And I'm bringing them over to one location to run them through the um, the the metalist studio. So I'm pulling on location the ores, smelting them on location, and then bringing those metals to where they can be processed further. The only one that I don't do that with is uh, is is gold, just because where the gold is pulled from, it's not indicative to running smelters. So that just brings come that the ore that ore comes in, and for whatever reason, gold, like it literally, uh, it goes like six or seven times the weight when you smelt it from the ore to gold. It goes from yeah, to, I do three. know that. <laughs> it's it's an insane increase. So it's, it's just a wacky yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I was it about red gold was it it does it goes like it just like balloons all of a sudden you're just like wait mm-hmm. what happened here so what we were able to do and again this was a long process of finding out who was where and what they had available and we said okay well you're over here uh to give you an example monks you know he's my source for ti- for titanium ore he's on a planet he doesn't use the planet for titanium ore but he can pull titanium ore where he's at so he does and he brings it over to me I I I smelt it and I and I use it. Um, he you know there's a couple other guys they'll they'll bring me silicone ore. I can use that. Um, the stuff that I don't specifically pull, someone somewhere has a an extractor or a collector that's pulling that and bringing it to where we can use it. So what we've been able to do by you know telling everybody hey these are our needs this is what we're doing this is what we need hey i'm on this planet i can pull that okay great you know and the stuff that we don't need is high volume stuff like titanium ore you know 
we don't need because a lot of times when people see oh well we need titanium ore well i guess i'm just gonna have to go find a planet with titanium ore and, and settle on it and put extractors on it you don't always necessarily need to, to dedicate an entire settlement to one particular item if you can find a location that you can settle and that was one of the reasons why i ended up way the heck out west um over by novo in alaska is that they've i i can get my iron steel copper and partially and supply myself with fuel all in two planets so two planets gets me uh gets me uh, iron steel copper um and fuel both uh, both uh stl fuel and fdl fuel off of two planets and then everything from there is shipped back to Moria to continue the process or the Moria space. So that type of setup, that type of, uh, you know, uh, working together with whatever somebody has somewhere, getting all of everything moved and, you know, moving. And early on it was difficult because we were working with starter ships. So you could only get a little bit at a time. And as we continued to, and again, that's the kind of funny thing about ships that that I don't even think the devs really considered until it happened is that you need to get you really do need to get more ships moving to to build more ships and so as more more of the more of the other you know corp members can put you know we built more ships for them and they were able to move stuff things continue to things begin to snowball into a much more well-oiled machine and became much had so much more momentum because things were moving i have a question for you so i totally agree that they put the car before the horse i've said that if you listen to my podcast you know i'm a strong believer so let me ask a practical question y'all are clearly have figured out the ship game how many ships do you build a month so that's a tough question because we've only been doing ships for about six months roughly um so let me see here the let me bring up the number here we so far we have in the time that we've been doing it which is like i said roughly roughly six months roughly um we've done about 35 complete ship kits and we've done about 25 to 30 upgrade kits okay so you have basically in Six months increased the total amount of logistical capability in the game by about two percent. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, that's 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 probably accurate. They've done a dent. you've really you really I I I completely applaud you, but it's just it's just funny how like how right. difficult it is, right? But I think this the thing that concerns me, if I might, fact, is how. You were so heavily reliant on having people available to do things because you can't source it unless you source it yourself. That seems to have right. been, and and has there been any talk about changing that, or is it just you just don't think the market's going to be able to do it? So we've been talking a lot about um, bringing ship parts to CX. One of the one one of the, and again, this is. Ever since we started doing it, it's been a slow crawl to understanding what's the biggest bottle. Because the thing about ships is that there is always a bottleneck. Um, there's always something that is going to be the one thing that makes it impossible to just crank this stuff out. Um, and 
uh, in all honesty, that one thing a lot has a lot to do with certain high tier buildings. One of the, and again, I'm sure this is probably by design, but it, you know, regardless of that, the, the high tier, high demand uh, components have such a long production time because not only, not only do, to give you an example, um, a, uh, a, a medium crew quarters is like three days of, of runtime. It takes three days for one unit. And the life support system to run one life support system is literally about a week. So you've got basically 10 days to generate a crew quarters for a ship. That's one component. Now, we've been able to stack the, these, these different run times on top of each other to make sure that we're constantly moving stuff so that that way we have a continuous you know, supply, but it's still a huge amount of time. And the only way right now, even though you could run special, they've got the special, you know, um, the uh, the uh, COC, COGC, um, the, what is it, the uh, uh, Galactic, uh, the, I can't remember what it stands for, the COCG. Oh, Chamber of Galactic Commerce. They You can run special things and they'll give you like, uh, you know, 10% for metallurgy or 25% for metallurgy or 10% for all, you know, um, pioneers. It increases that time. That's still not going to have the um, impact of building more buildings. And a, a good example, one building that's needed is an API. It's a, the appliance factory and it's 40, I want to say it's a, an area of 40. And you know, that requires um, engineers and I don't think it's scientists, it's engineers and um, technicians. It's an expensive building. It's AFABs, which is incredibly expensive. And again, AFABs are also slow to build as well, usually. So you're running these really high tier, high end products that are taking a long time. And so a perfect example of the juxtaposition of that is the whole plate is basically metal, more or less. It's all it is. It's just basically a whole bunch of metal that's been welded together. You know, our guy can our guy that runs the whole plates can crank out thousands of whole plates in a week. You know? There's no there's no shortage of whole plates. They're just flying through. We can't put together an entire ship kit that quick because everything else takes time to put to run and the only answer to that is building more of those buildings that um you know that that build those 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 high demand or sorry high long run components and one of the things that we've had to do is we've had to because when we when i first started the whole process i was to, to give you an example of just how to the base of my own supply line i was i was running I was running um, incinerators to make my own carbon for my smelters. I was that far into it to make sure that my and my lines were not interrupted, and I had a steady steady supply of carbon, oxygen, and <clears throat> and the ores to run these metals. 
because we need more of these of these larger buildings to run these longer things eventually you get to the point where you have to you have to realize that's just gonna have to be outsourced we're gonna have to i'm gonna have to just buy carbon from someone and luckily the supply has not been an issue but you at, that, at some point you make that decision that in order to be able to put these ships out faster so that more people can get them and somebody wants to come and buy a ship they can actually you know because right now we put an order in it's anywhere between four and six weeks i think for full completion so and we're working really hard to add more buildings so that we can bring that number down but at some point i had to say okay i, I can't sit here and run incinerators and waste a whole bunch of space in my bases to generate carbon when i yes i'll have to pay a little bit more but I can actually bring in more buildings to speed up this process. Just play, and I'll just have to pay a little bit more for the carbon. And but now we can actually speed up the process of building these ships. So I guess to answer your question is, you know, I think while logistics is a problem with the game because of you know the the, the whole ship situation, the other end of that, generating more ships and getting them out there, is partly. Um, getting to the point where, and this is something that's not, it's not just ships, it's everything in the game. Eventually you might have to get to the point where you realize you can't, you have to let, you have to be, you have to let yourself be reliant on other, other sources of certain things, because if you want to be able to keep up with the production, you're just going to have to focus on certain things and let other things being run by other people, which again, goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where when new people come in, they want to help we try and get them into it. So unfortunately certain things require higher level stuff that the be, you know, beginning player can't get into as easily, but yeah. So right now, I think the biggest, the biggest setback right now is just that um, there's still not a lot of um, high tier population, even on, even on, in places like in places like Valis in places like Moria and where, where you're seeing scientists and engineers coming in it's a lot of work not just to get them in there but to keep them we've seen those populations drop because and just like you were saying pair before sometimes the population just does some weird stuff and you're like what happened and you just have to try and figure out how to get that population to come back and if that population drops your 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 lines are now not working at full efficiency so now your stuff is not take is not coming out as quickly and that's you know that's going to hurt everybody. So that's I think that's the it's a it's a it's a kind of a multifaceted situation where until the understanding and the the full knowledge and and under and control I guess you'd say of not control but the influence of those higher populations and being able to reliably build and maintain those structures and the populations, it's so it's a lot of money to invest into these, these high level, high tiered structures. And then to find out you don't have, you've got five scientists and you need 40. Your, your line's just going to be, it's going to take you 10 days to run something. And I think that's part of the, that's part of the logistic situation that you were talking about before. There's the ships aren't, the ships could come faster if we had the ability to better, um predict how you know how we were how these buildings and how these uh populations were going to react to what we were doing I, I think there's uh 
one thing that kind of really just has stood out to me through this whole conversation, this description, is that the broad question of how do you build a ship okay. doesn't have a single answer. No. Yeah, it really doesn't, actually. And it's, it's all about, so like if, if nascent mercantile wants to build, spin up a shipbuilding pipeline, it will look very different from what um, other corporations are doing because it comes down to the question of how do you reliably source the things that you need in order to produce the output that you need? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and th- the individual circumstances that you're in are very different. And mm-hmm. part, of that, part of that question is not only how do I source reliably source what I need, but how do I reliably get to the populations that I need? Right. Yeah, I, big thing. So I have a question. Just so clearly there's a lot of different challenges. Can what would you say have been the the mistakes that you would say you made that you would say to someone, you're gonna start from the ground up, it's time to begin where are the where are people most likely going to screw up? What are they going to miss? Where are they going to bottleneck? Where you would help them skip that step, or at least not fall into it? Like what what kind of things would you say? Um, I think maybe probably one of the biggest mistakes I made early on, and it's something that that luckily wasn't a, a major issue, but it's something that could really get on people is don't don't be so fast to react to things that are happening in like a specific area on a market. Um, I got terrified when I was first starting out. I got terrified because I was running BFABs and I'm like, okay, this is working. And all of a sudden the BFABs just tanked. Like I was almost, I was almost having to sell this stuff for about what I was, it was costing me to make it. And I was like, what do I do? I started paying. I was like, what am I going to do? What do I have to, you know, where am I going to, I've got this entire line designed specifically to run these things. And now I can't make any money doing it. My whole situation is just going to go away. And that was over the course of a couple of days. And then eventually demand came back because, yeah, even though a bunch of them were bought off the market, people still needed them. But I was about ready to 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 colleague and be like, oh, I messed up. I can't do this. I got to go somewhere else. So I guess probably the one thing I would say is don't, don't uh don't be too reactionary to what's going on and just remember that there you know there there will be an ebb of flow to things and you know if you make a decision to go something try and see it through and if you know you're gonna have those rough times uh and you're gonna have some times where it's gonna be a little bit more difficult to make you know to make money than it is on other times but then there'll be those times where you're in the right place at the right time and you just start running something and all of a sudden everybody wants it and you're going to make a whole bunch of money off of it. And it's just, you gotta, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't be like a lot of, I don't know if, I don't really do a lot of day trading, but if people say day trading, people just react to the markets on a, on an hour to hour basis. Don't, you know, don't, don't be so quick <laughs> to a market that you're going to walk away from something that you've put a whole bunch of time and effort into on the chance that you might not make as much money as you wanted to. Does that still apply to the higher tier? You don't have CX markets, but you have other issues there. What do you mean? Sorry. So that's clearly an issue with the profitability of your sort of, I'm making money on this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But what about when you're getting into, like, 
what are the lessons for someone who wants to get into that tier three, tier four? Like, where does that go wrong? Where does that go right? Oh, I see. I'm sorry. Um, So it's kind of a hard question. Um, I, I, I had the benefit of coming into the game and pretty much right away seeing something that I really wanted to go after. And so it was never a question for me of how to get there. I was saying it was a question of how to, it was never a question for me of the motivation and the, and the choosing to do things. It was just kind of like, I want to get there and I'm just going to do what I got to do to get there. So, um, I've seen the, the high tier stuff. And, and I don't know, again, I don't know. There's been a, there's everyone always likes to talk about what's going to happen the next time we run through a new universe or the next time the devs make big changes and introduce new things, because it seems like right now the only things you can really get into high tier stuff on are either ships or high tier buildings or high tier population um, consumables. Nothing else really uses high tier stuff. Everything else is very basic. You know, you can do pretty much, I would venture to say maybe 75% of the game's stuff is going to be between the first two tiers. Once you get past that 75%, you know, you get into the other stuff, you know, you, you're going to get into that. And so um, looking at it from a person who's getting into the game and starting low and looking at where they might want to go, they might not have a lot of, you know, options is if you're getting that higher tier, well, you can do ships or you can do, you can run, um, you know, one big thing out by more. I don't know if it's out in the other areas, but uh, the the meat meals are like, so hard to get like there's almost never enough supply of it and that's that's one of those high tier um you know consumables and it's all based on the the, all those particular things and there's nothing there's nothing in the game that gets you to a high tier production on a very basic level meaning and and i don't know if this is something that they've thought about before but one of the things that I've always been surprised about is that you buy a ration from, you know, Joe's Crab Shack, and then you buy a ration from McDonald's, whatever, you know. That point is, you, you you buy these two rations, they're both exactly the same, they're made by the same, they're, they're, they might be able to make them differently, but there's no difference between the two. And if if there was some way to, like, say, hey, if we add a, a, a high-tier item to this basic ration. It increases your workforce's output by 10%. And I feel like that would be one of the ways that would get people to be more interested in looking into the higher tier stuff because the only way people are going to be interested in getting into the high tier stuff is seeing something that they want to provide. And right now, the high tier stuff, you can't go to the C, you can't really go to the CX and, and sell the high tier stuff. You're, there's no guarantee that when you bring your high tier stuff, your, um, you know, really expensive, hard to make stuff to the CX, there's going to be a buyer. And that kind of, from what I, from what I've seen, that kind of would probably deter people from getting in to those high tier things without having the support of people around them. So to answer your question, um, I guess the only thing I could really say is, is, you know, have a, have a, have a goal have you know if you want to get into the high tier stuff say i want to produce 
um, life support systems for ships, or I want to produce this and decide that if you're going to do something, find a good, a good reason to continue to do it. Because if you know, so much of, especially with things like the, or I guess you could use the, the market makers too. There are, I think there are some high tier market makers, aren't there? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, I don't know how profitable that is, but I guess the only other thing I could say is, is look into the high tier market makers. Yeah. Which, then... which, which we've done. And so I, that I think I understand that market. I was really curious, but it's a simple one. It, it's not for all of its complexity. That's actually pretty easy to do. I, yeah. When I look at the ship chain, you start getting into all these crazy things you might need. And I'll admit my worry has always been that there'll be some part or some production line that is constantly having problems because the player that produces it is bored or just like where the bottlenecks are besides just the time bottleneck, which you mentioned earlier, it sounds like it's pretty much just work the chain and get everybody to do it. It seems like that's kind of how you did it. Right. I mean, yeah, we, we did have, uh, we did have actually a couple of people in the middle of the process of getting this whole thing set up, leave the game because they just, again, like you said, they kind of felt like the only reason they're playing the game is to get on and, you know, do what they're doing. And there was no, one of the guys was saying that, you know, he's just like, I mean, he goes, what am I going to do once I get this done? You know, there's no, he's not, he didn't have any further expansion. <clears throat> And again, that's a hard, that's a hard, that's a hard thing to say because, you know, like you said, um, when we talked about earlier earlier today about the idea of the end game and, you know, Prune kind of being one big end game, you know, you kind of have to, with, with, with this game, you kind of have to set your own goals. You kind of have to decide for yourself what you're going to get out of the game. You know, you have to decide, I want to do this and these are the goals I want to meet. Because if you, look to the game to provide you f- with a reason to do something, it's not going to happen. You can't I, I, the game and, and be like, oh, this game needs me to do this, so I'm going to fill that. You're going to have to decide what you're going to want to do because the game's not going to give you an obvious answer as to what you can do to further your gaming experience. Yeah, I'm actually, this is an area where I will not criticize the devs. Um, mm. Clearly, the end game is not as complete as it needs to be, but mm. it's also this is where early access is definitely right. real, right? It's like this takes time to develop, um, and and the fact that it's not entirely there is understandable, and I and I look forward to seeing more. So, but yeah, it's it is a problem in any of these games. Like I I. Yeah. I hit this problem, like I played X4, I've mentioned it before, and I just reached the point where I'd like conquered like half the systems in the game. And I'm like, do I really want to go and conquer the rest of them? Like then what, right? It just, you can, it's a natural problem of of sort of running out of things that interest you. And I I can see that being a risk. Now, once again, I mean, it, it seems like making ships as an activity is a reward in and of itself for you. Like this is, Something yeah. that the doing it makes you you know feel like you've achieved something, and and that and continuing to do that is something you enjoy doing. I I, I must admit I'm more in the shipbuilding just because I think the logistic constraints are such a mm-hmm. just getting over through that problem is just I think would greatly improve the game. Though you have made some arguments about 
some of the other bottlenecks that mm-hmm. would be hard to get past, right? So some bottlenecks just there's only gonna be so many people doing those things no matter what happens. Right. But I would argue that I am currently in the end game. And the reason I say that is not because I have any I actually only have I don't have a single building that is above tier one. And yet I would consider myself in the end game because fundamentally the the thing the activity that I'm doing day in and day out in this game is the same activity that everybody in the end game does. And that is they have a goal and they are solving for the next step, solving the next bottleneck and getting them to that goal. And I would generally consider that the mid game, but I get your point. Like to me. Well, but like I'm doing the same thing that he just described for solving the problem for shipbuilding is I have, I have a problem. Like my, my end goal is actually just to become a mass producer of consumables. And so, I mean, that's what I'm producing right now. I can already produce that, but I'm solving it at a, what's my logistical bottleneck? What's my financial bottleneck? Whatever the next bottleneck is. And that's all that shipbuilding is, is you just, what's the next step that we need? What's the next ship component that we could produce? That would so help us get to an end goal in a more efficient and a more reliable way, and managing the the reliability of your supply chains. So shipbuilding is more complex than yeah. consumables, but it's the same activity. So I'll be I'll be honest. One of the one of the things too personally that drove me to want to do this as well is the idea of being a pioneer in the system, and I don't know if that's something that drives other players. But for me, the idea of being the first in this system, in this game, in, the, in, in what we're doing, being kind of the pioneer of the one to bring ships to players in, in, in a fashion that's, that's not absolutely insane and tedious. That was one of those things where I was like, I think it would be kind of cool to be able to, to sit down and offer to the community, hey, I've, I, I, I would, I can, you know, come by and fill out a form and let us know what you want, and we will do that. And to kind of like be the the ship guy, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, to me, that was kind of a neat drive because in a in a game like this, in a community, the only the only thing that sets playing prune apart from games like you know just general other MMOs is the ability for a player to actually de- like definitively make their mark on the universe you can go and play the other MMOs all day long and get the greatest gear and the greatest stuff and all you know and be the greatest player but nobody really cares because you're just another player in the game playing the game the way everybody plays it in in this type of environment, in this player-driven community where something isn't available until a player pl- provides it, if you can present to the community the ability to, to do something they haven't been able to do before, even, even if it's outside of the game, even if it's, you know, having them come in and message you through, through, through Discord and everything else and do that, you've created something in the community, you've created something in the game that wasn't there before. And that's not even, it's not even something that the devs were putting in. 
you have in essence changed the game in a way and honestly that was another driving thing for me it would be really cool i'd be like oh man i could literally kind of run this little ship business where people would come to me and get ships it's not like they would be doing it in the game but that's what they would do and so i guess the only thing i could say is it you know if you can find something like that in 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 your um in your plans going forward for the higher tier stuff maybe you want like you said maybe you want to be the the um the the consumables guy you know somebody wants stuff you know come to you that's fascinating because that's literally what I've done is it done the exact yeah. same way. I even have an order form where you can right. tell me exactly. what planet, how many consumables, how many pioneers and everything you need. And I'll show up with the consumables. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> and that's not something the devs, not, not to say that it's, it's, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to downplay the devs. I'm not trying to say that they're not doing their job because they're doing, I've been thoroughly impressed by what they've done. I, I don't, but it's something that they they probably didn't intend on happening. They would have, you know, a lot of times when they, they get together and they, they plan to make a game, they plan on the game being played in the con- confines and the constraints of the game and the, the players to stay in that environment. It's pretty rare that the, that the, the, those who are designing the game actually assume that there's going to be a whole nother layer of their game outside of the constraints of the, the construct of their game. So I've heard a friend refer to this as a, a type of emergent gameplay, mm-hmm. which is often, you know, the, so I, I will admit that probably at this point, my biggest goal in the game is actually probably driven as much by this podcast. Um, I, I really am fascinated by game design. Mm-hmm. And so having conversations about the game design, its implications and potentially having or at least driving people towards change, not just even the devs, but just the players mm-hmm. to look at things differently. Weirdly enough, that's probably the part that I that I enjoying the most. In terms of game goals, I mean, I just I just want to get bigger and more powerful, and I'll be happy, right? It, building a ship, I think, would be probably be a personal goal. Uh, but but I am kind of like you, and that, that I my goals are. I, I'm not a I'm not the first guy to get there kind of goal person. That doesn't actually. Um, that's just not my personality. I, that's that's not how I usually succeed. Mm-hmm. I'm one of I actually am one of those people who can very rarely create the first version of a good design, but I can almost always improve the initial design. Mm-hmm. Like it's that's my skill. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, when I see this game, I, I look at the parts of it, and I'm always thinking about well, how can we simplify this part? How can we make the governorship a little cleaner? Mm-hmm. And admittedly, I don't design the game, right? But to me, the interaction with people like yourself, where we have these conversations and we get people thinking about this stuff. Um, to me, that's a big part of it. I think for CPAIR, it's probably the community elements, right? We all have, as much as he's growing in the game, I I don't really care. I think I'm on my third base and I'll get to my fourth eventually. Like weirdly enough, it's just not a priority for me. But if the game grows and if the players are enjoying it more and some of the, um, some of the inefficiencies get ironed out, then then I will feel like I've achieved some mm-hmm. game, things in the game. Now, of course, the devs may just go that Lex guy is complaining all the time. I don't want to <laughs> you know screw him, but yeah. You know, but if 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 those conversations are happening, I feel like I've achieved something because this is a very unusual game right. that offers some things that 
for all of the things that are a little bit unclean about the game, the basic idea is really unique in a lot right. of ways and, and deserves to be supported. To me, game designs like this, this is like a version one of what will end up being a really clean design. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see more games like this out in the, in the environment. And for that to happen, this game hopefully will be like the grandfather of them, the one that everybody keeps playing and other people are ripping it off, right? The you know, you can always tell the success. Yeah, the you can all mine type of stuff. Yeah. Well, it's like everybody right now is ripping off RimWorld. Like uh, there's this game called RimWorld. I'm seeing all these RimWorld clones. That's the ultimate compliment of a game is when uh, I, I've been playing a game Stacklands, which is a which borrows a lot of ideas from another game called Cult Simulator. Right. So 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 really successful games are ones where the ideas really capture people. And I think this game has got pieces of it. They have the problem. The devs have the problem. This is like the first time anybody's really made a game like this. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of teething problems. And you can tell. Mm-hmm. But as the game gets smoother and better and the problems in the game decrease, that to me, weirdly enough, is is my goal. But I agree with you. Like, if it's just about making more money, I'd probably, there, there's going to be a limit to how interesting that gets. So right. That's just the probably truth. Right. And anybody can, anybody can multiply numbers. What about you, Seabear? You've you've stayed quiet on this. And what is what would you call your your goal besides just the success of a corporation? No, I've I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed listening. <laughs> you know, I've just been like, yeah, just listening to everything that people have been talking about. Um, uh, validation. <laughs> I, I I believe that. Uh, <laughs> I'm having having worked with you. That's that's that matters to you. Yes. Yeah. No, um, it really is just, you know, I think as you said it earlier, um, this game is infinite, right? This game is infinite and I'm in for the long haul and really Lex, you've said this time and time again, but I mean, it's not, it's not about the destination. It's the journey. Right. And at the end of the day, I think about my time playing like destiny two, for instance, and I started back in 2017 playing destiny two and why I bring it up often is because it definitely I I was very involved in that game for for a very long time for for three to four years, and you know I think about all the memories that I had, and I don't regret I don't regret doing that and having those memories, and and now I'm making memories now right I'm making memories with this podcast and I'm making memories with everything that's going on, and so for me it's like yeah as long as I keep enjoying it and and I do enjoy it right um. Yeah, I'll keep at it. I think about like, for instance, like why I left, like why I left Destiny Two. You know, um, I already hit the end game many times over, but like I left Destiny Two because uh, it really was, um, and I had a good community, but it was sort of that idea that I wasn't enjoying the gameplay loop anymore. That the journey was sort of, I felt like the journey was kind of almost ending to some degree and i mean there was there was other things that kind of pulled me away there was you know i think about squad squad was kind of the thing that pulled me away from destiny and i i don't find anything really pulling me away from this video game anytime soon um if something if there was a competitor in this market if something came that could compete with this game obviously it might but um yeah it's always about the journey but 
Uh, I do want to. I, I don't want to. I don't want to deviate from our trains of thought. I don't want to take this train off the the rails. But um, I know we've we've hit the three hour mark and we're coming very close to it. Uh, but yeah, that is everything. If you guys want uh, more information, you can join the Nason Mercantile Discord. Uh, I'll leave a link in the description at the ACAS website. Uh, you can join the conversation there. You can also join the conversation at our water cooler uh, channel within the Discord here at the Paratox Prun podcast discord where we it's pretty much a no holds barred debate complain discuss whatever you want it's it's really your kind of place to to bring anything to the table and everything to the table and lex reads those on the daily and thank you guys for listening and tune in next time uh that's for all tonight so here's a good night guys